wonder what biblical obedience looks like? How is it different than worldly obedience? How do you know if you're actually obeying God's will? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah addresses these questions and others with answers straight from God's Word. Learn to know for sure whether you're living obediently as David introduces the conclusion of his message, Trust and Obey. And thank you for joining us today. This is Turning Point. I'm David Jeremiah. We are studying the book of 1 John. And we're um, going to finish that up in, in, in just two weeks as we get uh, on the threshold of the Christmas season. We'll take off with some Christmas programming. But right now, we have just enough time to finish this book, and I'm glad that you've joined us. Hey, there's a study guide for this, Living in the Light, Studies in First John, a beautiful study guide that takes you through every passage that we're going to talk about and that we have talked about, all the outlines and all of the illustrations and places where you can find additional help and understanding of this passage. These study guides have been, well, they've circulated all over the world. People use them for small groups, for personal study. And uh, we want you to know the one for First John is available now from Turning Point. You can get that at davidjeremiah.org. There you will find all the information you need to order it right into your own home. And by the way, friends, it's December, so I have to tell you, we are celebrating the beginning of the season, but we're also celebrating this month because in the month of December, we create and produce a leather devotional for the new year. This brand new year is ahead of us. 2022 will be here before you know it. And our devotional this year is Every Day with Jesus. Beautiful blue and tan leather cover with silver embossed uh, uh, letters on the front and beautiful teaching in the book. I have people all over the world who tell me I read that little book every day. And uh, we want you to have your copy. And uh, there's a way you can get more than one copy to share with your friends. You can find all of that uh, at our website. But if you want just one copy, just for your own self, make sure you give a gift to Turning Point during the month of December in our year-end giving campaign. Simply ask for your copy of Every Day with Jesus, and we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. Well, Part two is coming up on this message called Trust and Obey. First John chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. Notice in verse 5 of chapter 2, we see this again. By this we know that we are in him. And this teaches us that obedience is the secret of our fellowship. Now let's back up a minute and get this all together. Because John is telling us some really important things. He is saying... First of all, obedience is the sign that we're in a relationship with God. But he says, let me tell you something else. Obedience is the secret to having a good relationship with God. It's not only the evidence that you are in God's family, but it's the secret to having a great relationship with your father. You want to have a great relationship with your parents, kids? Let me tell you how to do it. Just do what they tell you. I mean, it'll work wonders. You won't find that in many parenting books, but I'm going to promise you on the authority of the Word of God, if you want to get along with mom and dad, here's all you have to do. Whatever they tell you to do, just do it. Amen? And if you want to get along with your Heavenly Father, whatever He tells you to do, just do it. Don't debate it. Don't argue about it. Don't go through the Bible looking for the loopholes. Just do what he says. You know what? I've got to tell you that from my experience, most of us spend a lifetime trying to learn the simplicity of that lesson. We go all through all the detours. We take all the back roads. 
We try to find other ways to accomplish the same goal, and we ultimately end up right back with this simple truth. If I'd have just done what he told me to do in the first place, I wouldn't be in this mess. The Bible says, if we love him, we will keep his commandments. And by this we know that we are in fellowship with him, that we are in union with God. We desire communion with God. And John says the way to communion is through obedience. Now notice verse 7, the expectation of this obedience. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. What is John saying? He's saying, I'm telling you to love God and to keep his commandments, but I want you to know this is not new. I didn't just come up with this. This isn't just New Testament doctrine. In fact, this goes all the way back to the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. This was embedded in the heart of every follower of Judaism. That there were two major things they were to be concerned about. One day a lawyer came to Jesus and said, Lord, what is the great commandment of the word of God? And Jesus answered in Matthew 22, verses 36 and following. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, Jesus said, hang all of the law and all of the prophets. Jesus said, you want to simplify what the life of fellowship with God is? Here it is. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbors as yourself. (laughs) That's obedience to the command. Now, John's saying, you've had this from the beginning. From the beginning of your knowledge of God. From the beginning of your relationship with God. You have known Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18 that you're supposed to love God and you're supposed to love your neighbors. But you know, it doesn't take us long to violate those commands. I read somewhere this week that before these commands were ever given, they were in the heart of God. Adam broke the first one when he loved his wife more than he loved God. And Adam's son broke the second one when he went out and killed his brother. We are always in the process of either obeying this command or violating it. And when John speaks of the old commandment, which was from the beginning, he's reminding us that the commandment of love goes back beyond the New Testament. In fact, the old commandment is the summary of the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? You say, how would you summarize the Ten Commandments? It's easy. The first four tell us how to love God, and the last six tell us how to love our neighbors. You go home and look up the Ten Commandments, and you'll see that's true. The first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. The last six commandments have to do with our relationship with our neighbors. The Ten Commandments are given so that we would love God with all our hearts and love our neighbors as ourselves. That's how simple it is. The expectation of obedience comes to us from the Old Testament. But notice the explanation of obedience in verse 8. John says, again, a new commandment I give you, which is true in Christ and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. John is talking here about an old commandment and a new commandment. What in the world is this new commandment? He mentions it again in John chapter 13. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you love one another. By this all men will know you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. So what's new about this commandment? We just got to tell you it was from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, which is about as far back in the Old Testament as you can go. How is it new? Oh, listen, here's the key. 
The commandment was new in that it has been raised to a completely new standard in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was of Jesus, we read, that he loved men and that men were to love each other. I want you to listen to a statement that I copied out of a book I read this week by William Barclay, who is an historic commentator on the scriptures. Listen to how he explains this. It is profound. In Jesus, love reached out to the sinner. To the Orthodox Jewish rabbi, the sinner was a person whom God wished to destroy. There is joy in heaven, they said, when one sinner is obliterated from the earth. But Jesus was a friend of men who were outcast and women who were sinners. And in Jesus, love reached out to the Gentiles. As the rabbis saw it, the Gentiles were created by God to be fuel for the fires of hell. But in Jesus, God so loved the world that he gave his son. Love becomes new in Jesus because he widened its boundaries until there were none who were outside of its embrace. In Jesus, love became new in the lengths to which it would go. He could even pray for mercy from God on those who were nailing him to his cross. The commandment to love was old in the sense that men had known it for a long time. But the commandment to love was new because in Jesus Christ, love reached a standard which it had never reached before. And it was by that standard that men were commanded to love. You remember what John said? As I have loved you, so you ought to love one another. The difference then is that this new commandment we have gotten from God comes with the power for us to obey it. Through the shared life and fellowship with the Lord Jesus, we can love like that. If you become a Christian, and along the way you've inherited some strange people who have become your enemies, and you are angry at them, what I can promise you is that as the Spirit of God begins to work in your heart, He's going to soften your heart toward those people and begin to help you embrace them through the love of God. And one day you're going to go and resolve the issues with that person and you're going to wonder, how did I ever do it? And there's going to be a voice whispering in your heart, you didn't do it, Jesus did it through you. Because Jesus is the one who taught us how to love in a new and better way. We cannot love our enemies and bless those who persecute us in our own strength. That's not natural, is it? No, it's supernatural. It comes from the power of God. Have you ever experienced that? The conflict resolution that comes not with a counselor or a lawyer or an advocate, but a counsel that comes from Almighty God and brings you together in Him. And the Bible says that when we begin to love like that, we are demonstrating our fellowship with God because only God can make that happen. Only God can do that in our lives. And that's why the Bible says that God's love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit he's given us. Some of you need this truth in your marriages. Some of you need to hear the power of God's love in your relationship with your children. Some of you need this truth operating in your workplace because we live in an unlovable world with a lot of unlovable people. Can I get a witness? <laughs> and the only way we can reach out to them in a different and unique and spiritual way is through the power Jesus gives us. And the Bible says that when we do that, 
when we begin to interact with people in that kind of agape love, we demonstrate to the whole world that we're walking with God. Not that we just know him, but that we're in fellowship with him. I can testify you cannot do that in your own power. Some of you say, well, pastor, you're an awful hard person to love. And I'm going to say to you, some of you are hard to love too. But we both have the same God, don't we? And the God that we have who lives within us enables us to do what we cannot normally and naturally do. You say, Pastor Jeremiah, has anybody ever lived that way? Well, let me tell you about the example of obedience. And look with me at verse 6. He who says he abides in him, in Christ, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. We are to walk even as Jesus walked. If we can discover the secret to his walk, we can discover the secret to his fellowship and to his power. And it's not really a secret at all. It's very clearly revealed in the word of God. How did Jesus walk? You're going to be surprised by this, some of you. Jesus walked in total dependence upon his father. Just as we have to walk in dependence upon Jesus, Jesus walked in dependence upon his father. When Jesus was on this earth, He didn't do his own thing. He didn't just do whatever came into his mind. He was totally submissive to the Father in heaven. A lot of people miss that in the story of Jesus' walk on this earth. John 8, 29. He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. For I always do those things that please him. John 5, 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. John 14, 10 and 11. Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does the work. In the Old Testament, there's a psalm which looks forward to this thing. Psalm 40, verse 8. Jesus speaking in the psalm says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. In Luke twenty-two forty-two, you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, what's the rest of it? Not my will, but yours be done. Now look, if you want to learn how to love, you've got to walk as Jesus walked. How did Jesus walk? In total submission to his Father. How can you walk like Jesus walked in total submission to Jesus every day asking him to help you walk through the broken relationships and tangled conflicts of life in the power of Jesus? I've told you before that one of the great prayers you can pray every day, no matter where you are or where you're going or what your particular assignment might be, is this prayer. Lord Jesus, help me to bring your presence into this situation. Help me. Because you see, we are Jesus to people. We are the only Christ they're ever going to see. And when they see us walk into a situation that is difficult and hard to comprehend, and we have a peace about us and a strength about us, they realize this is not normal. And they reason from our conduct back to our Christ. That's what the Word of God says. Let your light so shine, watch this, that men would see your good works, and what's the rest of it? And glorify your Father who is in heaven. Why would they glorify your Father in heaven by looking at your good works? Because they know who you are, and they know you're not capable of those kind of works. So when they see those works in you, they just look up and say, that's got to be God. 
That's got to be God. That's what John is teaching us. Our fellowship with God is demonstrated by our love. And the example of our love is found in the way Jesus walked. How did he walk? Every day in lockstep with his father. That's the only way we can live this life. You cannot live an obedient life in your own strength. To live it in the strength of the Lord. Are we together on that? Amen? Well, we're together, all of us, on this truth, that we can't live it in our own strength. We all know that, because we messed up already this week, right? (laughs) Now, notice the last part of this passage, and then we're finished. We've looked at the expectation of obedience, and the explanation of it, and the example of it. Now, notice, finally, the expression of it. John is going to give us an illustration here that is so airtight, there's no wiggle room in it at all. You can't get out of it. You can't, you can't get away from it. It's so clear. You cannot deny it's true. Notice what he says in verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. John gives us this concrete illustration of what it means to walk in obedience. It is an illustration we can't dodge, and we face this test every day in our lives. We can measure our obedience by this test. Do we love our brothers? He's not talking here about people in the world. The word brother has to do with members of the Christian family. You say, well, Christians don't ever have trouble with other Christians, do they? (laughs) Hmm. John says, if you want to know if you're walking in obedience, you have to ask yourself this question. Do I love my brother? Now, that doesn't mean that everybody in the church has got to be your best friend. There are people that we relate to better than others. People that we gravitate toward better than others. But it means that you cannot have hatred in your heart toward another Christian. And John says three times that when you say you're walking in the light and you have hatred for your brother, you are in the darkness, you walk in the darkness, and the darkness blinds your eyes. Have you ever seen anyone so hateful towards someone else, and this is a Christian, that their whole life is screwed up because of it? Have you ever seen that? I have seen that often as a pastor. Somebody who gets fixated on hatred, maybe toward a family member or a loved one, And that hatred takes over their whole life and it blinds them to everything. They can't understand reality any longer. John says, don't go there because there's a terrible penalty associated with it. You become blind to what God wants to do in your life. This truth about our love for our brothers is so prevalent in the scripture. 1 John 3.14 says, By this we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. He who does not love his brother abides in death. I love 1 John 4.20 and 21. See if you don't get the logic of this. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And you remember the beautiful passage in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We often read this at weddings. But listen to how Paul teaches us this truth. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. 
And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Why? Because love is the core. Love is at the center. Love is of God. God is love. And we love God because he first loved us. And because God loved us first and we love him, God says we ought to love one another. And when we love one another, we are keeping his commandment. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How? Because you love one another. The Christian faith is not something that is locked up in a theology book. It's an everyday relationship with the living God. And if we're claiming to be Christians, there should be some evidence of that in our lives. The Bible says the test of our faith is obedience. The test of our love is obedience. But let me be clear. Obedience is not performance. Obedience is not just, okay, I'll do it. Do you ever have your kids do that? You know, a little kid was told to go sit in the chair and he said to his mom, well, I'll sit on this chair, but I'm standing up inside. You know, that's the way we are sometimes with God. God tells us to do something. We do it reluctantly. Listen, I want to end with something that I hope will help you see the difference between those two attitudes. The Discipleship Journal, a couple of issues ago, there was an article by the editor of the journal, Susan Masonick, and she writes these words. The line between obedience and performance can be a blurry one. Yet it's an important distinction to grasp because obedience leads to life. Performance leads to death. Obedience is seeking God with your whole heart. Performance is having a quiet time because you'll feel guilty if you don't. Obedience is finding a way to let God's word dwell in you richly. Performance is quickly scanning a passage so you can check it off your Bible reading plan. Obedience is inviting guests to your home for dinner. Performance is feeling anxious about whether every detail of the meal will be perfect. Obedience is doing your best. Performance is wanting to be the best. Obedience is saying yes to whatever God asks of you. Performance is following a list of man-made requirements. Obedience springs from the fear of God. Performance springs from the fear of failure. Life is like sitting in the pilot's chair for the first time. But there's someone out there who's telling you how to fly. Take what he says seriously. He's the captain of your salvation. He can guide you safely to your destination. But you have to trust him. And you have to obey him. Amen. Amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about growing strong in your faith. And we're going to examine how... uh, John uses physical growth to illustrate spiritual growth. It's a very helpful lesson. I hope you'll be with us as we continue our study in 1 John. Friends, we're going to Israel in March, and we'd love to take you with us March 22nd through the 1st of April. We're going to spend these 11 days in the Holy Land. It's a beautiful place, and it's now a safe place to go. You'll love being there. You'll never forget your visit to Israel. But uh, with March just around the corner in the new year, you can almost feel the walls closing in on the registrations for this event. So you don't want to wait too long. Go to the website, get the information about where you go to get everything you need to know about going to Israel with us. Then set your face like a flint 
on March 22nd and don't move and plan to be with us as we visit the holy sites of the Holy Land. And then, um, as you know, we're making available our very special devotional book during the month of December. It's very sensitive to the days of the month, but the day of the year is not there. So there's no 2022 in there. It's it's a perennial devotional. It means you can use it this year, share it with somebody else next year. You want to go through it again next year, you can do that. The dates of the month are there, but the dates uh, with the year on it are not there. So every day you will open this book to a new page for this particular day, and there you will be able to find everything that will help you get a jump start on your walk with the Lord that day. We'd love to send this to you. When you send a gift of any size, simply ask for your copy of Every Day with Jesus. We'll see you next time right here on This Good Station. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. To let us know how God is using Turning Point to deepen your faith, write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's encouraging new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Living in the Light, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Introducing Dr. David Jeremiah's new 365-day devotional, Every Day with Jesus. Inside this beautiful leather-soft volume, you'll find 365 daily inspirational readings from Dr. David Jeremiah, paired with selected scripture to challenge and encourage you in your walk with God. Every Day with Jesus is yours this month in appreciation for your gift of any amount in support of this program. And when you give a generous year-end gift of $120 or more, Dr. David Jeremiah will thank you with four copies of Every Day with Jesus, one to keep and three to share with others. Let this daily devotional inspire you in the coming year to live every single day with Jesus, for Jesus, and like Jesus. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca today. That's davidjeremiah.ca. And thanks to a generous giving challenge through the end of the month, all gifts to the ministry are effectively doubled up to $200,000. Back again this year, the Home for Christmas channel from David Jeremiah and Turning Point Ministries. Fill your season with all your favorite holiday traditions, music, carols, laughter, scripture, pageants, inspirational Bible teaching, and more. Start streaming your Christmas favorites and discover new ones completely free. And enjoy the Home for Christmas channel at home, in the car, or anywhere you need a little Christmas. Visit TurningPoint.tv to start streaming today. That's TurningPoint.tv. Think about two different kinds of rivers. One is a narrow, rapid, whitewater river roaring through a canyon. The other is a wide, deep river flowing silently through the flatlands. What is a prominent difference in the two rivers? The sound they make. One roars while the other is restful. 
I've heard a proverb that says, when the river is deepest, it makes the least noise. And I found that people are like that. The deeper the spiritual life of a person who follows Christ, the less noise he makes. Those people have a quiet, abiding trust in God, deep, wide, and restful. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how deep God is on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.